You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Hello, my name is Mike Ufferman. I work with the Ministry of Zion's Hope, and we are continuing our two-part series on the two resurrections. And just in the way of review from our last session, you might recall that we were in the book of Acts in chapter 24 and verse 15, where it talked about there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. So scripture is very clear in that it says that there will be two resurrections, at least two kinds of resurrections, the resurrection of the dead, but then that's got two categories, two distinctions, and it says both of the just and the unjust. So we can expect them to be resurrected, the just and the unjust, and we'll move forward and we'll see how that all happens as we get further into our study today. But uh, keeping in mind also from our last session, that the resurrection and the rapture are two separate events. In other words, the resurrection is for those who are dead in the grave, and the rapture is for those who are living at that moment in time. So they're not the same thing, though they may happen at the same moment. And we see that in First Thessalonians chapter 4, where we saw that the Lord is going to descend, and then that the, the dead in Christ shall rise first, And again, that distinction, this is the dead in Christ. This is the dead who are just, who are going to rise first. And it's a resurrection of an exclusive group of people. doesn't say the unjust, only those that are in Christ. And then it goes on and it says, And then we we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. And that's the rapture. Both of those items, events occurring in Revelation chapter 7, but we have them as separate entities happening basically concurrently. The resurrection of those who are in Christ, of the just, and then we which are alive and remain. In other words, we who are in the faith and are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so this is the first resurrection that we see in Scripture. However, this is not the sole event of the first resurrection. And this one, though, specifically is only for believers. And when these believers come to life, uh, actually when they're resurrected, they're resurrected to eternal life. They're not resurrected to death. And so we have kind of a, a couple of phrases. One is this resurrection, but then one is the second death. And so you might recall that we kind of reviewed that idea of if you're born once, And Jesus talks about being born once, that's being born physically, being born of your mother's womb, uh, of that sack of waters. If you're born once, just physically born, then you'll die twice. You'll die a physical death and you'll die a spiritual death. But if you're born twice, in other words, you're physically born, that which is flesh is flesh, and you're spiritually born, that which is spirit is spirit, then you will only suffer one death, that's the physical death, But the second death, which is the spiritual death, will not affect you. And so we need to make sure that we understand those distinctions. And there are two resurrections, as I mentioned. In the book of Revelation, we saw in chapter 20 
that an angel, a messenger from God, comes down and gets a hold of Satan and binds him for a thousand years. And the whole purpose is that he should not deceive the nations. And that at the end of the thousand years, he would be loosed for a little season. And he's going to go and gather another army of people and try to overthrow God the second time. The first time was at the Battle of Armageddon when he lost there. But here at the end of the thousand years, we know that he's going to be loosed and he's going to go gather an army and try to defeat Lord, but uh, that's not going to work. But what the, my point here is that just because we see the events of a thousand years after the beginning of the millennium, that doesn't mean that this account in Revelation 20 has moved in time. And so we move on into verse 4, and we see that there are the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and the word of God. And I present to you that these are those who came to faith after, in other words, those who were left behind after the resurrection and the rapture that we see in 1 Thessalonians 4, that resurrection and rapture that we see in Revelation 7. So these are the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. It's because of their statement of faith by not taking the mark of the beast that they were beheaded. And we see here, as we continue to read, that they hadn't worshipped the beast, they hadn't taken his image, or uh, had not worshipped his image, they hadn't received his mark on their forehead or their hands. And it says that they lived, in other words, they came back to life, they were resurrected as well, and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. And so that's how we know that this event happens before the millennial reign of Christ begins, because it says that this is the first resurrection. In verse 5, this is the first resurrection. And it does clarify that the rest of the dead live not. In other words, the unjust, those that did worship Satan, those that did take his mark, they did not come back to life again until the thousand years were finished. But the first resurrection is basically anybody who comes to life before the millennial reign. And verse 6 says that the second death hath no power over those who were resurrected before the millennial reign begins. There is a second death, and as we bump back up to verse 5, that second death will be the rest of the dead who will come back to life. They lived, not again until the thousand years were finished, and we'll cover that a little bit more here in just a moment. But anyhow, those that were resurrected as part of the first resurrection, they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. That includes you and me, That includes those people that came to faith after the resurrection and rapture that we see in chapter 7 of Revelation, and then those that were beheaded, those will be the ones who are part of that first resurrection before the millennium. Everybody who comes to, to life before the millennium begins are part of the first resurrection. Let's discuss a little bit about what life and death are like in the millennium. And I mentioned death specifically. There's a reason for that. But we'll talk about life first of all and how it all occurs. So we know that God does keep records and he keeps a a book of recompense. And he will pay back people for what they've done in this life, whether they came to faith or they didn't come to faith. And so we see here in Isaiah 65 verse 1, it says, I am sought, in other words, people look for him and find him, of them that ask not for me. That's referring to the Gentiles. And it says, I'm found of them that sought me not. Again, referring to the Gentiles. And I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. That's the Gentiles. The nation that's called by his name 
are those of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob from the tribe of the 12 tribes of Jacob. That is the nation that is called by his name. So again, these are the Gentiles that were seeking him and that were found. And it goes on and it says, I spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people. Again, these are those that were his, but they didn't seek him. And these are the rebellious people, the people of Israel, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. A people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth in gardens, and burneth incense upon altars of brick. And by the way, the altars that were supposed to be uh, to God were basically originally intended to be not made by the hands of men, only of stone and stone that was stacked. And so just a little sidebar there of the early ones that we see um, as um, God is dealing with people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and altars that they were supposed to build. And then later on that changed when we had the wilderness tabernacle that was built. However, in verse 4, it says here, which remaineth among the graves. In other words, these are the people of Israel that are hanging out among the graves, worshiping dead people, in other words, and lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh. And we know that was an abomination. And broth of abominable things, as in their, or it's in their vessels, which say, stand by thyself, come not near me, for I am holier than thou. There are religious people, and yet they've rejected God. These are a smoke in my nose, is what God says, a fire that burneth all the day. He goes on and he says, Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silence, but will recompense. And as I mentioned, that in other passages we've seen that there is a book of recompense, and you can go listen to the first part of this message. Um, But will recompense, even recompense into their bosom. Your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, saith the Lord, which have burned incense upon the mountains and blasphemed me upon the hills. Therefore will I measure their former work into their bosom. And so these people who have rejected God will have a consequence, will have a recompense that will not be good. They will suffer for um, their deeds. And thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster and one saith, destroy it not, For a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servant's sake, that I may not destroy them all. So in other words, the Lord is saying here, as the new wine, and remember we talked about those that are flesh are flesh, and those that are spirit are spirit. Uh, You have to be born twice, and so this is talking about those grapes, if you will, that have the new wine, that have his spirit in them. And somebody is saying, don't destroy all of them. For a blessing, or your spirit is in them, and so will I do for my servant's sake. So for God's servants, he will not destroy them. However, there is a recompense for those that rejected him, but he doesn't want to destroy them all. Verse 9, he says, And I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the twelve tribes of Israel. There will be a seed that comes out of Jacob and out of Judah, my inheritor of my mountains. And so we know that to be Jesus. He's from the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, the uh, tribe of Judah, and then also of the family line of King David, and he is the inheritor of the mountains. And mine elect shall inherit it. So along with Jesus, his elect shall inherit it, and my servants shall dwell there. So there is still something yet to happen in the future. We know that the Messiah came, and we know that he will inherit all things And that is yet to happen in the future, though we know 
that the reason he came to live and to die was that he would pay for the consequences of the sinful um, nature of mankind. And in verse 10, And Sharon shall be a fold of flocks, and the valley of Achor a place for the herds to lie down for my people that have sought me. And so hopefully you're one of those that have sought him. And out of Israel, there will be those who seek him. And out of the Gentiles worldwide, there will be those who seek him. And God has a special plan for them. Verse 11, But ye are they that forsake the Lord, talking about the rebellious nation of Israel, that forget my holy mountain, that prepare a table for that troop, and that furnish the drink offering unto that number. Therefore will I number you to the sword. That's their recompense. And ye shall all bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called, ye did not answer. When I spake, ye did not hear, but did evil before mine eyes, and did choose that wherein I delighted not. So if for them is the sword, for those that are not them, in other words, those that came to faith, there is no sword um, for, for them. And I'm talking more not or I'm talking more about uh, not that Christians will not suffer terrible times, because we know that people will die uh, who are Christians, who will die in, in terrible circumstances around the world as persecution comes, uh, and even is now. But there will be a persecution that's coming in the future, too, which will be the wrath of God. And those people that have rebelled against him, they will suffer um, at the sword. Verse 13 goes on and it says, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but ye shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but ye shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but ye shall be ashamed. Behold, my servants shall sing for joy of heart, but ye shall cry for sorrow of heart, and shall howl for vexation of spirit. And ye shall leave your name for a curse Unto my chosen, for the Lord God shall slay thee. And so we know for those that have rejected him that their name basically will be a curse amongst the chosen people of God, certainly amongst the people of Israel, as he's talking to Isaiah's people, but then even those who are among the Gentiles, they too will suffer the consequence of the sword. For the Lord God shall slay thee and call his servants by another name that he who blesseth himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. And he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth, because the former troubles are forgotten, and because they are hid from mine eyes. And that is yet a day that will come. But we need to trust in the Lord. We need to recognize our blessings come from the Lord. We need to stick to the name of God. And we need to swear by the the God of truth, and we need to be a testimony of this God of truth. And those former troubles will be forgotten. They'll be hidden from God's eyes. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and that day has not yet come. It is coming in the future, and the former shall not be remembered. The former heavens and the former earth shall not be remembered nor come to mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And for much of the world, for Christians in particular, I would say that Jerusalem is a rejoicing, and yet Jerusalem is under terrible uh, circumstances with bombings and attacks. Um, 
and, and certainly those of faith might live there, but there are many who are not of the faith who live there as well, and they reject the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And her people will be a joy, but that day is not completely fulfilled yet. I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. That day is yet to come. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. That day certainly is not here yet. Verse 20 in Isaiah 65 says, There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. Wow, what a great time that will be. But it goes on and it says, For the child shall die an hundred years old. But a moment ago it said that no more thence an infant of days shall not have filled his days, and yet it's saying here that a child will die. And it goes on and says, But the sinner being an hundred years old shall be accursed. That all needs to be understood together. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. Keeping in mind that the people that are going to be in the millennial reign will be those who have walked out of the humanity, the era of humanity that we currently understand. They will have survived God's wrath because they're his children. They will have survived the wrath of Antichrist by not taking the mark of the beast. Uh, They will not be those who were beheaded because those that were beheaded, we saw in our last message, uh, they come back to life just before the millennial reign. They're part of the first resurrection. So these are only those who came to faith after the rapture of the church, after the resurrection of the church. They are those who who have survived. And they come now into the earth. They are the blessed of God. And they have the sin nature still in them. But their life expectancy will be changed to a thousand years. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. And his days will be a thousand years to the end of the millennium. But then it goes on and it says, For the child shall die an hundred years old. So there will be death, and it will be a person who is a hundred who will be like that of a child. If they're going to live a thousand years, ten years old out of a hundred would be not much. A hundred years out of a thousand would be not much. But it says that the child shall not die, or excuse me, the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. And we need to tie those two together. So this child that's dying will be a hundred years old and will be a sinner who is accursed. Now, I bring up several questions. I don't have a good perfect answer yet. I'm still studying this. But does this mean that you have, uh, when you're born into this millennial reign, not those that have walked in, we know that they're all believers, they'll live the full thousand years because their sin will be forgiven, that sin nature will be forgiven. But those people that are born to them, do they have up to the age of 100 to accept Christ as their Savior to become amongst those that are His? Or um, is it saying that there are levels of sin, that there are those that are so sinful that they will be cast into hell, into outer darkness? I'm looking at those who walk into the millennial reign. They are still sinners. There will still be sin. They are not perfect. So sin will be allowed in some consequence, some, some form, But it seems to me that maybe there's a time limit that people have. 
If you don't accept Christ as your Savior by the time you're 100, perhaps your life will be considered accursed. I mean, 100 years is a long time to have to understand the things that happened in the previous era of human history. Being told that by your parents and if your parents' children accept Christ by maybe your grandparents, but maybe it seems like that a person who is 100 might have a time limit as to when they can accept Christ as their Savior, being born into that millennial reign. And if they don't, then they will be accursed. Speculation perhaps on my part, but something to consider. And it goes on and it says in verse 21, that um, they shall all, this is talking about everybody now, they shall all build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. This is everybody in that millennial reign, those that walked in and those that were born at that time. And, well, we'll see here in just a moment. They shall not all build and another inhabit, shall not all plant and another eat. In other words, you'll reap the benefit of your own labor. It's not communism to where some people are doing all the work and other people are benefiting from it. It says, for as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. It brings me back to the question, what if you're not his elect? Do you only have up to 100 years? Again, speculation and something to consider. Verse 23 says, and they shall not labor in vain nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord. Keep in mind now, those that walked into the millennial reign, they are those that survived the wrath of God because they were of the faith, and they are the blessed of the Lord. But then here now it talks about the seed of the blessed of the Lord. So there will be children that will be born to that first generation that walks in, and their offspring with them. And so it seems there will be multiple generations until that thousand years is done. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. What a wonderful time that will be for those that are the elect of the Lord. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. And so God's protection will be upon them. Still the sin nature is there, but these people will live a thousand years. Still, there will be some who are accursed. And those accursed, well, they will die because they are dying at the age of 100, it says there. Therefore, there will be death during that millennial reign. And there will be sin during that millennial reign. However, there's also salvation during that millennial reign. And who better to be saved by? By the very Son of God who is ruling the earth at that time. When we back up to Revelation chapter 2, we get a little bit more detail um, about this second resurrection, this second death. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, it's talking about the church of Smyrna and unto the angel of the church of Smyrna. And I want you to listen carefully because I have a special thought about who this church is. It says, unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. This is clearly Jesus who's speaking. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He was dead, crucified, buried, rose from the dead, sits at the right hand of the Father. He is alive. And Jesus says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, 
but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now let me give you some thoughts on who this church of Smyrna is. I personally, my speculation, but I personally believe that this church is the church that comes into existence after the resurrection and the rapture that occurs in chapter 7 of Revelation. I believe that these are the people who have works. They've come to faith. They haven't accepted the mark of the beast. And if you read Isaiah 66, it says that these people go and spread the gospel to the nations, to the islands of the world. I know thy works and tribulation, and there will be tribulation. Keep in mind, just because the resurrection and rapture occurred in Revelation chapter 7, just because the believers are out of here, that tribulation is cut short for them. However, there are still people that are not believers that did not take the mark of the beast yet. In Revelation chapter 14, it talks to those people and it says, first of all, here's the true gospel. There's an angel in Revelation 14 that goes across the face of the earth and spreads the true gospel. There's another angel that goes after him and says, come out of Mystery Babylon. Mystery Babylon is dead. You know the true gospel. You just heard it. Now come out of Mystery Babylon. Mystery Babylon is dead. And the third one says, basically, don't take the mark of the beast. If you take the mark of the beast, you perish. And so there are those who will come to faith because they've heard those gospel angels. They know that their family members have departed. And we know that the graves have been opened up. And they're looking at all of that and they're saying, Jesus is real. And they come to faith and therefore they will suffer consequences and there will be works that they do to try to get other people saved. Some will be caught. There will be great tribulation as they are persecuted. And they're in poverty. Why? Because they abandoned everything they had. They headed for the hills, if you will. They're trying to get away so that they are not found without the mark of the beast. These people have faith. That's why they're rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews but are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Again, read Isaiah 66. And it talks about those who are religious, but yet behind the tree, they're drinking swine's blood. Behind the tree, they're worshiping false gods. And yet they come out and say that they are the religious people. That is the synagogue of Satan. These are those who say that they are of God. They are, well, in this case, they are Jews in the synagogues, but they're of Satan. And fear none of those things which shall, you, you shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. When is that happening? That's happening after the rapture and the resurrection. The devil is still trying to find those that have not taken his mark. He's trying to take as many of those with him as he can. And they will be cast into prison because they've been caught, some of them. And they will be tried. You take the mark of the beast or we will persecute you. You take the mark of the beast and we will beat you here in this prison. You take the mark of the beast or we will kill you. You shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. See, the statement of faith of these people is that they won't take the mark of the beast. Anybody, after that resurrection and rapture occurs, who survives 
God's wrath is only surviving it because they did not take the mark of the beast and they have made the statement of faith. They have works and yet undergo tribulation. They have poverty because they've abandoned everything. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. They may suffer physical death, but they will not be cast into the lake of fire. They will not have a spiritual death. So again, you've got to be born of the flesh and you've got to be born of the Spirit. He who is born of the flesh and the Spirit will not suffer the second death, nor will he be part of the second resurrection. Back in Revelation chapter 20, we see here that we see the thrones and them that sat on them. In verse 4, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. These are those that were beheaded caught in those prisons, would not take the mark of the beast. They didn't worship the beast. In verse 4, it continues, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands. And it says they lived. So before that millennial reign, they come back to life. They reign with Christ a thousand years. So that has to be before the millennial reign, that they come back to life. And it says, but the rest of the dead, in other words, those that are in the grave, who were not resurrected and raptured, those that were not resurrected before the millennium, those are those who rejected God. The rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. In other words, it's saying that the rest of the dead will live again at the end of the thousand years. Live not again until the thousand years were finished. So they will come back to life. These are the dead who are not in Christ, as we saw in Um, Acts chapter 24, these are the unjust, the unjust of all history, the unjust through the 70th week of Daniel, the unjust that were killed during the trumpet and the bowl judgments, the unjust who all perished before the millennial reign began. Those people will come back to life at the end of the thousand years. But everybody who comes to life before the thousand years, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Why is that? Because they were resurrected from the dead and they were given eternal life. They haven't come back to life yet at the end of the thousand years and be given death. That second death is that one that they suffer because they did not have spiritual birth. But these people who will not have the second death affecting them They shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now we know that the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone earlier. That's where the beast and the false prophet are. That's the antichrist and the false prophet. They've already been cast into that lake of fire. But the devil, he's going to be let loose. Remember that? He's going to be let loose at the end of that thousand years. And what's he going to do? He's going to go and try to find those who will join his army. The devil is um, deceiving people. When he's let loose, he's going to be uh, gathering an army together to rebel against God. Who are the people that he's gathering? Those who have not yet accepted Christ as their Savior. Those who have not had a spiritual birth. Those are the ones who will join Satan. And he'll... He'll be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelation 20 verse 11 says, And I saw the great white throne and him that sat on it 
from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. So who is it that's on the throne? We already know who that is. Revelation chapter 7, we saw this great multitude that stands before the Lord. They're standing before the throne as well. So before the throne and before the Lamb, and that's clarified in Revelation 7.10, and it talks about it's God that sits on the throne and the Lamb who's also there as well. So in Revelation 20, verse 12, I saw the dead and small and great stand before God. He's on the throne. And now we have the books of recompense. Recall those? Books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. So whoever's in that book of life, they have eternal life. But those that are not, they obviously don't have eternal life. And it goes on and says, The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Well, they can't be judged by the book of life because they're not in the book of life. So all they have left are the deeds that they did in their lifetime. And as God looks, he's going to see sin and he's going to see maybe good deeds as well. But because there's even one sin that has not been redeemed by Jesus Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, because there's even one sin, they will suffer the consequence of hell for eternity. And it says here that verse 13, in verse 13 that the sea gave up the dead, so they're coming back to life, which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead. Those were everybody else who's in the grave. They all come back to life. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. So if your name is written in the book of life, then you have automatic entrance into eternity in heaven. Now, I will say that God will also judge you by your deeds, and I suggest based upon my understanding of Scripture, that those deeds will then determine what you will do during the millennial reign, the level of um, duties that you have during that millennial reign. Because we know that some people were given, you know, ten talents and five talents and one talent, and God gives additional duty and responsibility to those who responded well with the talents that they were given. However, There are those that do nothing with those talents, and they were those who didn't have faith, basically. But I would suggest to you then that these that are giving up their dead are those that were the unjust that we talked about in Acts 24, and we know that they will be judged, every man, according to their works. So first, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? If it is, great entrance into heaven, you'll be judged and given duties and responsibilities in the millennial reign based upon the deeds you did. If your name is, well... Keep in mind, when God is looking in that book of deeds, what's he going to see in there for you if you're saved? He's going to see your deeds. What deeds, though? Not the sinful deeds. Those sinful deeds were washed away in the blood of the Lamb. God hides those sins behind his back. As far as the east is from the west, he will not see those sins again. So you will be judged. Are you saved in the book of life? And then by your deeds, the only good deeds that you have in the book of recompense, the book of deeds. But that person that is not found in the Lamb's book of life will be judged. Do you have even one sin? You're not getting into heaven. And now what is the level of sin that you have? Is there a deeper, darker hell? I don't want to find out, and I don't want you to either. Please accept Christ as your Savior. Verse 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 
we can kind of follow that forward a little bit more in Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Uh, I believe that that's going to happen at the beginning of the millennium. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, come down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, again at the beginning of the millennium. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. So he will be God over the earth. And those that this occurs uh, during the time that it occurs, those he's talking with specifically are those that just came out of the wrath of God and now are walking into that millennial reign. Verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Well, who are they? These are those believers. No more death for those believers. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. What is it that they might be crying about? Their loved ones that perished as a result of the wrath of God. Maybe they could have done more. Maybe they could have spoken. Maybe they could have come to faith earlier. Maybe they could have gotten more people saved. And they will be mourning because of those things. Verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne, we know that's God, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But now, this is the reason that I think this happens at the beginning of the millennium, because it says here, but the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So these people will exist in some fashion during that millennial reign. At some point, these people will exist during that millennial reign. That sin nature will still be there. They will not have access to the throne of God. They will have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So you have your choice. Which will you be part of? The first resurrection or the second resurrection? The first resurrection before the millennial reign. Everybody who comes back to life from the dead before the millennial reign. Or there are those that are left behind. There are those that will be accursed during the millennium. And they will come back to life. They will live at the end of the millennial reign. Those people from all of history past all the way up until that day who come out of the grave in that second resurrection they will suffer the second death. So my question for you, have you been born physically? Of course, I'm talking to you. You can hear me. But have you, more importantly, been born spiritually? Have you accepted that you need a redeemer, that you're a sinner, that you can't get yourself into heaven under your own strength? If you think that, you'll perish. However, if you'll accept Christ as your Redeemer, as your Savior, to say, I know I'm a sinner, I know that Jesus, you died on the cross. After having come down to earth from heaven, being God in the flesh, you lived a perfect life, and then you were crucified, paying for a sin you did not commit, my sin. And then you rose from the dead, promising me that one day I too can rise from the dead if I will accept what you've done as a substitution for me. 
I accept that substitution. I ask you to be my Savior, my Redeemer. I ask that now you help me to live the days that I have ahead in a way that honors you, that glorifies you. Help me to live as the just live, not as the unjust live. And I thank you for the promises that you've made. I give my life to you today, Jesus, in your name and based upon the words that you've even spoken in what was read in this class today. Amen. So I thank you for listening for the last two sessions. And thank you for being part of this podcast. I know you have many other things that you could have done and still you chose to listen all the way through this. May God bless you richly in every way as you seek his will for your life in the days ahead. This is Mike Ufferman. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 